You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Nick. Nick and Daniel, how y'all feeling today, man? Same corner, same time. It's good to be back. It's good. I forgot, in terms of being like a writer, I forgot how, like, not stressful, but like how, how stuck I am in front of a TV, like all weekend. So I don't know how they do it, but like that first round takes five hours, no matter what. No matter what happens, I'm sitting there like with the Jags waiting to pick, with your Jags waiting to pick, and we've known the pick for how long? So three months. Yeah, sometimes you gotta take your time for greatness, though. Nick. Well, <laughs> Urban Urban gave up a, a, a peel behind the uh, the onion, right? He said, uh, "We're gonna draft you." The NFL wants us to wait until there's two minutes left. So well, this whole thing's uh, collusion for the NFL there, there, draft ratings. It's, it's collusion wild. from the top. Yeah. When, when, when you're drafting the future of the NFL, you gotta take your time with that pick, Nick. I think that's why the Dolphins took a little while for Waddle. It, that's got to be it. It's got to be it. this. This is Jacksonville's oh, one time yeah. of year to shine on a national mm-hmm. stage. I'm out team here. They're uh, the Jags are quickly becoming like the Detroit Lions, where the season Whoa. starts after the season, and then the draft season starts, and that's when they're excited. But you know, Urban better than that, Nick. All I know is Urban drafted a running back in the first round when you have two very good uh, special back. ETN is special though. You, you need oh, a special okay. back. You oh, know? Okay. That's, That's a game changer back yeah. right there. You're gonna respect sense. Urban Meyer's eye for talent too, Dan. What's wrong? Sure. Like all of a sudden Dan, like like he's not a goat. Urban Meyer's not a goat no more. He'll oh no, I didn't I didn't say I didn't say that. I just said, that it was an interesting pick. The goats in a new pasture. Yep. We'll see. Sweet. Just wait for the Super Bowl, man. Oh, hey, Nick, I'm sure you saw all of the uh, the draft hype about the Dolphins having the best draft. Not a big deal, right? It's what we expected. Uh, right? See, that's, you know, maybe, us maybe, 12, and, maybe 12 and We're not sitting here getting super hyped about it. Usually it's just, it's just, yeah. Just business as usual. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just happy y'all didn't get Cal Pitts. That, that made my draft. I'm not going to <laughs> yeah, I was exceptionally happy for Kyle Pitts, but 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 sad for my Dolphins that we weren't able to grab a, a future Hall of Famer. But that's okay. We got another Hall of Famer in Jalen Waddle just a couple picks later. Yeah, I I'd like worked myself into it's like I'd like to pick now, but I'd worked myself into like this corner where I wasn't going to be happy unless it was Pitts, Penny Sewall, or Jamar Chase. So then it mm-hmm. comes down and Chase is gone, Pitts is gone. I'm like, all right, we'll just get get the left tackle and, and be happy. Uh, and then Waddle comes, I'm like. But I've I've gotten back into it now. He's a he's a better Tyreek Hill. I'm here for it. Hey, he's he's a he's a good fit for the city as well. I think he's gonna be a superstar down there. I think y- y'all building a nice little roster. But did you I, did you see like, him in like the green room? Did you see yeah, him in the green yeah, room? Yeah, he, he, he had to get the business. He had to get the business. <laughs> thing, yeah. he, he was on the couch. He's like, Deuce. I'll say oh, we can celebrate later. I got things yeah. to accomplish. Y'all know what time it is. <laughs> he had to get the business. He had to get the business. Got got business to buy, touchdowns to get. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, boys. Hey, we got a, a busy, busy show today. We're going to start off with a guest here real quickly. Uh, just a, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Uh, get a quick uh, belated happy birthday to, to Dan Mullen. 
happy birthday to uh, you. And then also a quick shout out. If you visit stadiumandgale.com slash shop, everything in the store is 30% off. If you use the coupon code spring sale, all one word. And then if you use the word hat sale, all one word, you get 50% off all hats uh, that are available. So visit stadiumandgale.com slash shop for all of that. Let's give a shout out to our friend Lee Friedland of the law firm of Friedland and Associates. Lee and I had the chance to chat today. Uh, great in the 2000s. Loves the brashness of Steve Spurrier. So give him a call if you are looking for somebody to help you with auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and personal injury cases within every jurisdiction in the state of Florida. He's based down in Miami-Dade County and he's about to add an Orlando office here shortly to better serve the Gator Nation. So give him a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or visit him at yourfighthourbattle.com. Again, 1-800-95-INJURED and visit him at yourfighthourbattle.com. We're going to start off today's show by bringing on an expert on name image likeness. Talk to him about the landscape of that legislation that goes into effect here shortly and get his take on what that means for the state of Florida. And it's none other than double Gator grad, Darren Heitner from Heitner Legal. Darren, how are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Hey, Darren, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, Darren, over the last couple of years, you've been uh, one of, if not the foremost expert on name image likeness uh, legislation and the legal uh, parameters around that. Uh, there was a bit of a hiccup last week, so maybe you can walk through what that was. But uh, so far, name image likeness looks like it's going into effect in, in July. So talk to us a little bit about how we got up to this point, maybe what happened last week and what the next, I guess, eight weeks look like until it goes into effect. A little bit of a hiccup is quite the understatement. Uh, <laughs> so going back to end of 2019, Chip Lamarca, who represents my district in Fort Lauderdale, his chief aide, Corey Stenicia, they asked me to help them draft legislation and promote it for name, image, and likeness. We saw California was the first to move, and they had an effective date in 2023. We decided no reason to wait till then. Let's push the envelope. In fact, we originally had July 1, 2020 as the effective date. That was pushed back to 2021. It passes the Florida House, passes the Florida Senate, gets signed into law by Governor DeSantis. This was middle of last year. And then all of a sudden, last week, at the tail end of the session in Tallahassee, you had an amendment snuck into a charter school bill to push back the effective date of name image in 2022. And um, within 48 hours, you had the quarterback for the University of Miami, you had the quarterback Mackenzie Milton at FSU. You had the athletic director at University of Miami, Blake James, Coach Mullen, Coach Norvell, Coach Diaz, everyone up in arms saying, you've got to do something about it. And it just so happened that it was pushed back to July 1, 2021, before the end of the session. Um, and that's where we are today. We're back to status quo. How... um. How did it come to your guys' attention? Because it stuff like that kind of happens in politics. You know, you have a, a a bill about selling orange juice, and then all of a sudden, on page ninety-seven of where you can sell orange juice, they're like, "Hey, by the way, we're pushing back this 
completely unrelated thing. How, how did you guys become aware of, you know, late session in a bill that didn't have anything to do with name image likeness at the collegiate level? How did you just become aware that, Hey, this, this is happening. Well, that's the thing. So you had this completely unrelated charter school bill and all day during the day in which it was snuck in, everyone was debating whether or not uh, there should be that transgender issue attached to the charter school bill. And that's effectively preventing uh, individuals who are transgender from competing in female athletics. And at the very tail end of the day, from the Senate, they read in a number of other amendments and wedged right in the middle was this amendment to change the name, image, and likeness effective date. No one in the house was prepared for it. And it was read in, no one could find the language immediately. And it ultimately went to a vote on the public, on the charter school bill as a whole with that and many other amendments included. It wasn't until after when the dust settled that people in the house really understood that they were voting on that bill with this new amendment included. In fact, when they opened the floor to questions and to debate, no one, including Representative Lamarca, was ready for it because they it was a surprise. No mm -hmm. one had prepared them. Um, so that question was actually asked later on the final day of the session when it got brought back up. Why didn't anyone say anything about it? And you know, people chalked it up to it being a mistake, but it really wasn't a mistake. It was just people were caught by surprise. Darren, is there a reason, was there any justification for why it was added as an amendment to that bill um, from a particular representative about why they wanted to push it back? Yeah, so we've received the rhetoric from Senator Hudson who proposed the amendment in the Florida Senate and his claim, which I don't believe, is that he was concerned that without a written assurance from Mark Emmert, president of the NCAA, that no punitive action would be taken against college athletes. His concern was that that's what would occur. The NCAA would, in effect, punish the individual athletes and perhaps punish the schools, and he need a written assurance. Again, I don't buy that whatsoever. In fact, just a week prior to that, Mark Emmert met with some college athletes that specific question was posed to him whether or not in those states with this effective date he would take any sort of punitive measure, and he said no outright. And so, again, that was the justification that was provided. I'd like to know what the real reason was. I'm sure there's more to it. It just hasn't come out yet. Uh, Darren, want to ask you, first off, small world, Corey Stanisia was like my middle school best friend and you and I did high school debate. So it's amazing how uh, small this world is uh, when you think about it. But want to ask you, what's what's next um, for name image likeness? We're, we're ramping up closely to that July 1st uh, date when it goes into effect. How are schools preparing for this? How are athletes preparing uh, over the next eight weeks? Schools are preparing by getting their compliance ready for it looking at the statute, understanding what it means, associating and aligning with third parties like Influencer, Open Doors, Altius, and others that have really arisen in the past year or two because of this opportunity that exists in the ecosystem. And I think that the athletes are also preparing by either establishing or building upon their existing brands, making sure that their social media profiles are scrubbed of anything that can work against them, um, figuring out how to add followers and engagement, and probably also thinking about who they want to assist them in terms of procuring opportunities, because they will have the ability 
which they don't currently have, to sign with agents for a limited purpose of helping them find and negotiate deals. So there's a lot of work really to be done on both the university side and the athlete side between now and July 1. Hey, Darren, real quick, do you think the NCAA will step in uh, if, say, Florida is, is staying in this current uh, status with the NIL and other states have that, that leeway? Uh, they'll put it at a disadvantage in recruiting, correct? Uh, do you think the NCAA step in in any of this? The NCAA is certainly concerned. And I think when Florida was the only state that was considering a July 1, 2021 effective date, there was potentially some threat that the state of Florida had to consider. However, now we've had important states with big SEC schools like Alabama and Mississippi join us with the same effective date. You also have New Mexico, which has joined us, and other states thinking about it as well. Georgia is very close to joining us with July 1, Iowa, and others. So, yes, to answer your question, I do still think the NCA is concerned that certain states will have advantages and others will be disadvantaged. And what the NCAA has done is it's taken the position that it's begging the federal government to do something about it when it's as simple as the NCAA itself to change its own bylaws and just open this ecosystem up for college athletes across the country. But instead, and the NCAA hasn't changed course on this in, in the recent past, it just keeps saying, we want the federal government to do something. But while there's many bills that are pending in, on Capitol Hill, there's no movement thus far. So I don't really know what the NCAA is waiting for. Well, I won't put words in your mouth, but the NCAA wants to desperately hold on to um, this, this uh, fake notion that these are um, amateur athletes. Um, that was my next question. And, and, yeah, and that they don't have to pay them. But what I wanted, I, there's a lot of, uh, you know, on, on our website, um, on the message board, there's a lot of older, um, older Gator fans that think that this is, you know, creating a, a pay for play kind of scheme. And I'm trying to explain to them, you're probably going to be able to articulate it better. Can you just give us like the cliff notes of what the name image likeness bill is? I keep telling people like, this is not, the University of Florida paying, um, you know, a Kyle Pitts to come play tight end for them. It's it's just Not opening up different avenues for players to profit off of their name, their image, their likeness. In fact, there's an explicit prohibition against colleges paying any money or being a part of the name, image, and likeness process itself. So no monies can flow through the universities to the athletes. This is purely allowing athletes to negotiate and enter into deals with third parties who happen to be unaffiliated with the universities. If there's any affiliation whatsoever, red flag rises and the deal gets struck down. So to answer that question very clearly, this is not pay-for-play. This is not universities paying the athletes for their performances. And it's not even third parties who are unaffiliated with the schools paying for the performance. There can't be signing bonuses, any sort of bonuses whatsoever provided to athletes based on their performance. This has to be deliverables that they provide, whether it be licensing their names, images, likenesses, or them doing endorsements, posting publicly on behalf of these companies on their Instagram or Twitter. It can even be athletes creating their own businesses, which they just simply can't do currently. But it is not but pay for play. But there could be there could be some funny funny business going on with all of that. Of course, how long do you think this stay, this stays uh, 
like like what Nick was saying, how long before this becomes like professional? Because I mean, that's where this is heading. Well, and, I, I, do you do, again, do you I, think it's heading that way? I'm not gonna say I, I want to speak for you. Do you think it's heading that way? I know that there are people who are very interested in seeing that happen, including individuals on Capitol Hill. Cory Booker, for one, has said right. for a very long time he's very interested in having the athletes being paid by the universities. And he's not alone, not only in Washington, D.C., but on a state by state basis. So I think at some point in the future that could occur, but I don't think that's coming anytime soon, and especially not in the state of Florida, where You've had people like Chip Lamarca who created, introduced, sponsored the name, image, and likeness legislation just recently come out and say there's absolutely no intention to expand upon it and add pay for play in the near future. Darren, I want to follow up um, on name, image, likeness. Is there any restrictions in the legislation passed in the state of Florida or that universities have come out and say uh, that are going to limit certain sponsorships or what a student athlete can endorse? or be paid for? So I expect that there still will be further regulations provided before July 1 that absolutely puts certain categories, certain industries and companies off limits for athletes. I can't imagine that you're going to have the starting quarterback all of a sudden promoting an alcoholic beverage company. I just don't see it. Or probably not a sports gambling company or a pornographic company and so on and so forth. So I think it's common sense that there will be categories and industries that are off limits but that does still need to be written where i think it's going to be very interesting is how certain provisions are interpreted such as whether or not let's say at the university of florida an athlete will be able to endorse adidas or will be able to endorse coca-cola which are brands that are competing with the sponsorships of the university the way that i view the bill is that there's or the law is that there should be no prohibition it's doing it as long as it doesn't interfere with the existing contracts between the schools and those brands. So, for instance, in and around the games, the athlete at the University of Florida should not be able to promote Coca-Cola or have a Coca-Cola branded product, let's say, at a post-game interview. But if the athlete is in his dorm and wants to post on social media about Coca-Cola and get paid in exchange for that, I see no problem with that. And I don't think that's a violation of any existing sponsorship. But so like then on the field, Florida obviously has a Jordan school, um, the starting quarterback who um, is, is in an endorsement deal with Adidas. Hey, before we get into this endorsement deal, I can't wear your cleats on the field because that's in direct conflict with the university where I am. Right. Right. No, again, to the extent that there is any conflict, to the extent that it would be a violation of an existing contract, I certainly see the law as as it is in its current form, preventing an athlete from entering into that type of deal. So there will certainly be restrictions. And then I had one more. We brought we brought this um, young lady up last week, Paige Buchers, who is a, a freshman at UConn, or 829,000 followers on Instagram. And we were talking about this younger generation has grown up with social media and there's so many different avenues Obviously, you know, we, we bring up the starting quarterback, the star linebacker, running back, but there's going to be opportunities for all student athletes um, with with the way that you can monetize social media and, and market yourself. Um, was that an argument brought up that, hey, this isn't just for 
the best five stars, you know, by recruiting rankings in football. This is an opportunity for any student athlete, regardless of sport, gender, or, or what have you. It's not necessarily, you know, uh, bas women's basketball isn't as popular as football, but clearly 829,000 followers on a social media platform speaks for itself. From the day I looked at this issue and from the day that Chip Lamarca looked at this issue, we looked at it as an individual's rights issue. And absolutely, without a doubt, we believe that it was not just the starting quarterback at UF, UM, and FSU who would be able to benefit from this. But as you mentioned, anyone who has some sort of following or has built a brand. In fact, I remember when we were first discussing the legislation, we were looking at a female soccer player at FSU who had around 2 million followers on Instagram. And we thought to ourselves, imagine what she would be able to create for herself if she had this right, if she had these opportunities. And what I think is also really interesting is already the NAIA has allowed its athletes to start benefiting from their names, images, and likenesses. And there's already an example of a female volleyball player who spoke publicly in the recent past and talked about how she's been able to pay off a lot of her debt, pay off her car bills, and is saving to buy a house. And this is a volleyball player at an NAIA school who's being able to do this because now she can monetize her Instagram and this business that she's created. It's something that she could not do prior to that. So I think you're going to see so many more of these types of examples once July 1st comes and certainly after that. And those will actually be more compelling stories than the star athletes at the revenue sports who mm -hmm. you, would, you would expect to be making six figures. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing some of those outliers who are making a lot of money from the non-revenue sports. Darren, Darren um, I think being a sports agent looks pretty cool. Why, 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 why aren't you uh, a sports agent? Why are you doing um, law? <laughs> How much time do we got? Um, <laughs> so, look, I, I actually was one back in 2007 when I graduated from undergrad at UF and was about to enter into UF law school, I had this idea of creating my own sports agency. And so that's what I did. And I worked on it all three years of law school and even for a year afterwards when I started practicing down in Fort Lauderdale. And I mean, again, I can give you a laundry list of reasons. Um, let me give you some of them. Number one, I'd say the barrier to entry is extremely high. There's so many agents already out there and so many who have negotiated millions, if not billions worth of contracts, it's very hard to separate yourself from the pack. Number two, the margins are extremely small. So let's say you want to be an NFL agent. You're capped at 3% commission on those contracts, and many of them are taking less than that in order just to compete. On the other hand, the expenses are extremely high. If you want to be an NFL agent, expect to pay training expenses upwards of $30,000, $40,000 per player pre-draft paying for their housing, paying for stipends. It's a cutthroat industry. Individuals are willing to break the law in order to get clients something I'm not willing to do. Sleepless nights. I mean, there's players happen to be very fickle when it comes to agents. And I don't always blame them because they're throwing a lot of stuff in front of their faces, but there's a lot of agent switching, which is not for me. And I'll, I'll leave off on this one. I didn't really feel like I was utilizing my law degree, nor my creative talents as an agent. Uh, you know, I, a lot of these contracts are uniform in nature. 
Um, a lot of the time spent is recruiting as opposed to servicing players. And right. it just didn't interest me anymore. So, but I can ramble off many more reasons. Okay, so it just looks cool. What's that? It just looks cool with Jerry Maguire. I got you. Jerry Maguire, Entourage. Yeah, right, right, right. It, it looks cool. Or what? The Rock show. I forgot what the Rock. The show. Ballers. Ballers. Yeah, Ballers. Yeah. Man, I love it. Well, Darren, I, I know that you've got a cutoff. Man, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this evening and talking to us a little bit more. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing where the legislation goes and, and look forward to having you on in the future again. Go Gators. Awesome. Thanks, Darren. Yep. Uh, these conversations I come to pod for, man, that was dope. Yeah, Darren, yeah, he, um, he, he's really knowledgeable. Um, and, and like, I think, I think it was Silk said, um, he, or he said, was really at the forefront of, uh, of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that, he was at the forefront because elected officials asked him for his help. Like that's how knowledgeable um, and where his reputation is at. Now, Darren, yeah, Darren is truly the uh, the leader in that business. Definitely a worthy follow uh, on Twitter and following everything that he's doing. It's really a, a awesome um, gig that he's got. Uh, very well respected in that world. Well, let's give a quick shout out to a sponsor before we get Quincy Wilson on. Let's give a shout out to our friends over at the Roof Soldier. Roof Soldier is a veteran-owned company that's going to help you with all aspects of residential and commercial roof replacement and repair. So give them a call, 1-877-ROOFS-FL. Hurricane season is almost here. It's a time to get that looked at. Make sure you don't have any leaks or need any repairs. Give them a call, 1-877-ROOFS-FL, or visit their website, roofsoldier.com. Tell them Stadium and Gale sent you, and you'll get $1,000 off of your commercial or residential roof replacement. Let's get on a uh, former flare, former, geez, Florida Gator legend and Quincy Wilson. Hey guys, how you doing? What's What's up, up, brother? Hanging out, man. What's up? Where, uh, where are you guys? Where, where, where's the whole family at now? I know you were uh, all together watching the draft, but where, where was that? Uh, We're down here in South Florida for a lot of that area. Okay. Yeah. What um before we get into some of your stuff, what was that like just for you as uh as big brother kind of sitting there and 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 waiting for the phone to ring for Marco? Uh, you know, it was nerve wracking. It almost felt like I was getting drafted all over again. Um, it was, but at the same time, it was cool to like actually sit there and see like my little brother get drafted. You know what I'm saying? It's just been something that we've always talked about, something we just always dreamed of, and like it just finally happened. So it was just a very surreal moment for. The whole family, I guess. Yeah, I remember it was back at we're in Bradenton. It was an IMG seven versus seven seventy seven. Um your team was crazy. I think you had like you, Ermin, and you had a bunch of guys on that team. Yeah, we Travis Rudolph might have been on that team. Yeah. yeah. And uh I'm talking to you, your dad, and, and Marco might have been like all of five foot six, 120 pounds at that yeah. point. Braces on. Yeah, his yeah. dad's like, you know, Quincy's like, but this guy, he's gonna be good. And I look at yeah. him like, who? Who's this? Who's this little third grader that's standing there? And uh, yeah. he's like, it's gonna be him. And I'm like, all right, well, I believe you. Doesn't look like it right now, but I believe you. And then, sure enough, you know, right. Marco shoots up and and uh, and and turns into the player that that we know of now. Right. Exactly. It's crazy. Perfect. Well, Quincy, let's let's start with your story a little bit. Uh, grew up in uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Your dad is a University of Miami uh, former player. Uh, probably grew up in a family that rooted for the Hurricanes. Now, talk to us a little bit about uh, your recruitment and how you ended up at the University of Florida. 
Um, yeah, like you said, my dad played at the University of Miami, so I remember growing up, everything was hurricanes, hurricanes. So I remember, like, when I first started my progress, I really wanted to uh, go to University of Miami, but things didn't work out that well. They wanted me to play safety, and I ultimately ended up at, at Florida. But I knew I wanted to stay in state. I also did I, – I didn't – being from down here, I mean, the coldest it gets is 50s, 60s, so I knew I didn't want to be anywhere. It was cold weather. So I just chose to go with Florida, and they had they had taller corners at the time with Marcus Rosen and Luchez Purifor. So I felt comfortable going there, and because I remember coming out, my whole thing was I didn't want uh, a school to move me to safety. So I ended up going to Florida, where they were playing bigger corners. So I felt it was a good fit. The uh, the recruiting sites had already moved you to safety, right? Everyone everyone was already claiming it. Now, what's real quick said? What's your dad? Your dad told me this, and I'm sure it's a conversation you guys had because there's so many commit, decommit. By the time somebody you know gets on campus, it's like the fourth school that they've committed to. What was the conversation that you and your dad had? And it was like, hey, when you commit, that's it. So make sure he's like, I don't care if we do it right now in the summer or we do it after your senior season. But there's not going to be um, a commitment, decommitment kind of thing with you. Yeah, he didn't want me to be one of those guys who just like felt like they couldn't make up their minds and you're doing coaches wrong, saying you're coming, not coming. So we went through – I went. I felt like he he made it real clear for me because he took me to, to a bunch of schools uh, the summer before my senior year. So I felt like I got to see a lot and I was able to make a a, a good decision. Notre Dame was happy that you went up in the summer and not, you know, in February. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would hey, tell him no on the spot. And you talk about not decommitting. Um, there's a time where that that the season before you guys come, it got ugly. Um, and, and and some guys you committed with or or friends with, Ermin Lane and Davin, all those guys end up flipping. What was that process like? What was that like? Um, there's a lot of trolling going on. Uh yeah, you know, each week they were losing and we all were talking about if we were straight, you know what I'm saying? Are we gonna end up coming? And everyone was on board. And then one day I just go on Twitter and see that Herman flipped and we didn't, he didn't tell me nothing. So I was just like, all right, you, you, you doing it that way? Well, I'm going to go my way. And then you remember I put out that tweet that went all viral and whatnot. And just that's, that's the last thing we've ever said to each other. Wow. <laughs> really? That's like, that was it. That was it. I know. I heard you see, I looked like you said some stuff uh, on the field. Well, yeah, when Florida you know, and Florida I mean, State played, so maybe not the maybe not the last thing you said to them. Yeah, I mean, he went to Florida State and never caught a ball on me, so pretty much that that was what it was. Okay, did he catch That's, a ball? Period. No, nah, I don't. No, so change, that was mean. Change positions and whatnot, so <laughs> I don't think he ever found his way there. <laughs> you try to turn into a big corner and steal your bars, bro. Yeah, nah, not quite. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Let's get into your time at Florida a little bit. Uh, it was it was rocky. We had some good seasons. We had some great defenses. Um, what was your time like? What did you enjoy the most? Um, I would say what I enjoyed most was the uh, the competition every single day. You know, coming in, you could never take a day off because it was like you had Vernon, you had Jalen, you had May, you had Duke, you had Kiki. You, you know what man. I'm saying? So it was like you can never take a day off because if, if 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 I took the day off then then T's was starting that week if you know what I'm saying it like it's just you couldn't you could never lack so your spot would be your spot would be taken. So I feel like 
the whole competition of everyone just trying to make each other better, better and fight for a spot. Just, I feel like that was just like what I remember most about it, and because it just made us, it made us who we are today. You feel me? So, I feel like that's what that's what I remember most. Quincy, I want to ask you specifically about a, a quote. Uh, we won't have to talk about the game, but uh, the quote about a, a duck pulling a truck. Um, where, uh, where did where did that come from? Is that is that a saying in the the Wilson household, or is that something you made up on the spot? I just want to know kind of the, the etymology of, of the the phrase. Man, to be honest, that thing it came up on the it came up on the spot, honestly, because it was just like I remember every year they always came talking about this Tennessee matchup, and I'm just like, I don't know, like what do you what are you guys saying? Like we're going to win, you feel me? So. It just came out on the spot, and that was that's how that went. <laughs> we weren't even like so. We used to do interviews at, right right after practice, and uh -huh. the DBs would get like work in together. And let's, I think that day we were supposed to talk to like Tease, uh -huh. and so like, we weren't even supposed to talk to Quincy. But like they we were all like leaving, and then I think it was Will Pantages at the time was the uh, yeah. sports information director, mm -hmm. and he's trying to get like Tabor to come over, and then like three of them walk over together. And Quincy's just like, it's like right after practice, and he says it. And, of course, we're thinking, oh, this is fantastic. You know, as the media, we're thinking, this is fantastic. But it's like we weren't even supposed to be, like, interviewing Quincy that day. It was just like mm -hmm. a, something that happened so quick after after a practice. That's funny. Quincy. Go ahead. Q, I got a question, man. Um, there, There's your time at UF was, was elite, man. Uh, we had some of the best defenses. But it's always this thing, and it, it goes on now. It was it was there before you got there, um, and, and I think your brother went through it a little bit. It's always uh, a little buzz or a little love hate relationship with certain players and fans. What what is that like? What do you think that that comes from? It's a little toxic, a little bit. What do you think that comes from? Um, man, you, I mean, you know how it is. They 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 love you one second, they hate you the next. But I feel like. I feel like it's what I don't think I don't think it's Gator fans particularly because uh, I, I witnessed it when I went with to the when I played with the Colts. I mean, they love you when you're up, they hate you when you're down. But it's like right. I just feel like nowadays people are just getting a little too bold. You feel me? Like right? They just saying they saying things that like I feel like they're really trying to get up under your skin so that they could get a reaction up out of you and get some followers. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's, it's 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 all a, a clout game now, like, cause it's like if you if y'all really see me in person, you're not gonna say any of this. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. like it's it's all for show, and it's just like you got to just understand that. Like I, I I've been dealing with that since freaking tenth grade, so it's like I, I get it now. But a lot of guys don't understand that, so it it really messes with them. They see you in person, they want a picture, then they put it up you on IG and get some more clout. It's, it's it's just a different clout chase at that point. Yeah. Pretty much. How do you, how do you handle that? As you know, obviously now you're older um, and you've seen it in a bunch of different places. But how do you, or I guess, is it how difficult is it to handle it as an 18 year old, 19 year old? Um, you know, trying to deal with relationships and homework and class and meetings and coaches and, and all this stuff, and then you right. just throw on social media to get away from it all, and then you have to like roll through all these mentions that are you know just toxic. Um, I say, uh, what I started doing was just completely getting off of it. Like when, once the season comes, like I don't even go on Twitter because Twitter is literally the worst place you can, you can, you can be between freaking August and February. 
Like, don't even go on there. Once the season starts, don't even go, don't even go on there because people just out there trying to say anything to get you all riled up and whatever. And plus, you don't need to be reading that stuff anyways because it just becomes garbage. You read if, even when you're doing good because you're gonna read up and you're gonna you're gonna start drinking that juice and then mm -hmm. and then those gonna be the same people that's telling you how how bad you are. So I just I just feel like for any any player that's out there, man, once the season starts, just just get off of it because those people don't even know what they talking about. And that's why they're on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? So that's just how I go about it now. Well, Quincy, what are you most I proud of so far? A question. Go ahead. You got it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, you, that's a good question. Go ahead. What are you most proud of uh, so far? Uh, what do you mean? Like, what am I most proud of? Right. You. I mean, you've been – you played in the All-American games. Uh, you, you got big three – uh committable offers use a big time recruit uh you've been drafted you played in the nfl uh thus far what's your what, what are you most proud of i said the most thing i'm proud for definitely number one is getting drafted because you know that was just that was uh a dream come true just something i always was wanted to do growing up you know so i'd say that one is you just or, or i would say just playing in my first nfl game you could you could say that just being out there on the field for the first time and it and it counts and you're in the league is just like a surreal feeling. Quincy, we, we were on the, the subject of social media just a minute ago. Um, and I want to ask you, just because I, I know it's something that, that your family dealt a lot with. Um, after, you know, the, this past season, obviously Marco had a had a couple instances and, you know, one in particular that that's so Social media seemed to get on him, um, on your dad. I'm not sure if they tweeted at you. What, what did you say, you know, to, to your younger brother as he was going through that situation? And you know, how did your how did your family handle kind of the, the negative uh, reaction from the internet and the fan base? Um, we just told him not to look at any any of that because you know they was going to say the worst. They were they they were looking for a reason because to be quite honest. He, him throwing that shoe wasn't the reason they lost. You shouldn't have been in a dog fight with 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 LSU when they were that sorry this year. So we'll just put that out there. But with that being said, I mean, we just told him, man, like what's done is done, and you know they're gonna they're gonna ask about it. Just find a way to answer the questions and just move on from it. You know what I'm saying? That what else can you do? So we just we just told him to just move on from it and, and you learned your lesson. What's what's the Wilson relationship like with the University of Florida now? I mean, that's, you know, that's your school, the school you went to, your school Marco went to. I used to joke with your dad all the time that he's an adopted Florida Gator now, <laughs> which I don't, I don't think he'll ever uh, accept. Chad, yeah, he definitely out. No, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what's just what's the re the relationship in your mind, I guess, with the University of Florida, the fans, the, the football team? Uh, I mean, everything's cool, man. We don't we mm -hmm. don't have we're, we're, there's no there's no there's no bad blood or anything. Every, that's 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 my school. I love them to death, and that's what it is. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Q, you you you're a big DB man. You looking slim right now? What are you doing? Nah, nah, man. I just I had to knock off that baby weight from when I was in school, man. But I'm still I'm 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 putting on some weight. I'm 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 gonna play a little bigger this season. I've been I've been I've been playing like 190, 195, but we're putting on some weight. We putting on is, some weight. Is that hard for you to maintain? Are you trying to stay that slim? How hard you out of work? You change your diet? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's just a lot with the diet. But I mean, 
I pretty much got it under control now. I mean, just got to watch what you eat and whatnot. And just that's pretty much what it all is. Well, see, Corey's asking because he <laughs> he forgot that he's a human. Uh, and a couple of years back, he stopped eating any kind of meat. So so he, yeah, nah, he has like a rabbit diet now. No, nah, I don't do the vegan stuff. I still eat chicken. I eat all that. See, he he's jumping to conclusions, man. You know, that's he just that's he's projecting Christopher Rabbit over there. I would say, nah, I just seen, I just, I've been, I, I follow, I watch him on social media and stuff, and he's looking extra slim. Um, what, what are you gonna do with uh, little bro? What, what are y'all first splurge gonna be together? First splurge, damn man. Uh, I know he want to get a car, but to, together, I don't know. I don't, I don't, we ain't really even. We gotta go somewhere fly, man. Yeah, gotta go somewhere we, fly, do something we, big. We, we definitely gonna plan something though, for sure. How how crazy is it? Because I imagine, you know, when you're sitting there and you're maybe like a freshman and, and he's in high school and you're probably talking about the, just the opportunity to do this. Hey, when we're both in the league and we're both doing this, um, wh what was it like? Or has it even hit yet that like, hey, that stuff that we talked about when we were kids, like we're living it right now. Right. Uh, I don't think it's hit yet. I think maybe next, like his first off season, it will. When we, when we uh, when we're all together and we get to uh, we get to do stuff together every single day, and we have the same schedule. Because I know that's one thing we talk about. Because you know, like when he's in school and I'm in off season, you know, he'll be having classes, so we didn't even really get to see each other as much. So now we just have the same off season, so that'll be definitely be pretty cool. Because you know, I was in high school when he was in high school. I was in college, so we just. The times never really, never really married up, but now now they will, so it'll be pretty cool. Not they're not on the schedule next year, but I imagine that is a, a jersey swap that mom will be there for. Oh yeah, uh, no doubt. Eventually, that'll be that that'll be crazy. That'll be that'll be a a picture worth framing. Now I want to ask you real quick about just about the NFL. Obviously drafted by Indy, um, spent a couple of years there. What was it like going to New York? And I mean, Poole's there and, and May is there. It's it's almost like you were, you know, back back in Gainesville. Yeah, man. That was pretty cool. The the the, the couple of weeks I was with them for, you know, getting to uh getting to play with them for a little bit. It was definitely it was definitely it was definitely fun, but it just didn't really work out. Mm -hmm. And then uh just not even leaving the the not even leaving the stadiums, taking a new team, but again, maybe moving across. Where where are the where are the home lockers? Did you have a whole different locker room than the Jets? Uh, I think there is a different locker room. To be honest, I think there's two locker rooms in there. Okay, but, but everything's everything's the same. But I actually lived closer to like the the Giants facility than facility. I did when I was when I was living when when I was playing for the Jets. So uh, crazy. That's wild. I know. Q, what's a, you obviously played on a really talented defense, but what's a di the biggest difference between the college game and the NFL game that you've seen in your your three or four seasons? Um, I just say the speed of the game because everyone is good. You know what I'm saying? Everyone out there knows what they're doing. Everyone out there, all the skilled players run four four. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, and then everyone's a professional, so you know everything's gonna be on point. So it's like. Any second you're half stepping out there, they're gonna find it and, and and capitalize on it. So it's just like you gotta just be on point every single play and just go through your keys and just be on point. You know what I'm saying? Because the they're this the best of the best. They're gonna find the mistakes, find the errors, and and capitalize on them. What are you most looking forward to in your opportunity with the uh, with the Giants? Um, 
I say just, man, just getting on the field and getting a chance to just play because I feel like I haven't played in a whole, like, year and a half. So it's just finally getting back on the field and just showing what I can do for real. You going to try to get uh, you try to get KT 16 bars? <laughs> I, I ain't got nothing for him. <laughs> I ain't got nothing for him. That's what's up. You talk to KT? Yeah, I hollered at him, man. That's that's my that's my dog, man. I'm 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 super proud of him. I hollered at him before the season, told him to take care of the business, you know what I'm saying? Don't let anything get in the way. Don't let the don't let the music, fans, nobody. And he went out there and did that. And it's, I'm I'm so excited for him to come to New York and, and, and do his thing, man. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun for him. He's going to love it, and I'm excited for him. Did you guys cross over at Florida? I always wonder, like, what the relationship is when, you know, maybe it's a guy that is at Florida, but you didn't really, like, know them when you were teammates or when you were in the same locker room. No, nah, I, I had – he came right in with my brother's class, I believe. When you, so right when I, you left. Yeah, I just missed him. I mean, but it's just – I remember – I just remember when – they were struggling when that offense used to be struggling. I just remember he used to be, he used to still be doing his thing. So I just used to be telling him like, Hey man, just keep, keep grinding, man. They, they see that, you know what I'm saying? They're going to get the right people in here. You know what I'm saying? And then finally it just broke through for him this year. So I was just super happy for him that he just was able to keep working and keep working and, 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 and things ended up working out for him. Q, what's it like? And I know that obviously the pandemic, you know, probably shut down a lot of it. But what, what's it like playing in, in such a big city where I know football is important, but there's so many other things going on. How do you limit distractions and everything else being in New York City? Um, I mean, with the cold COVID and everything, it was pretty easy because we couldn't really do anything. But the whole COVID in itself was a was a was a whole distraction with the whole getting up every morning and, the, and all the the COVID tests and the and the and all the regulations and whatnot. So it was just the main thing this year was just like having to schedule yourself extra time for all these COVID regulations. You know what I'm saying? So, but this year that'll be something that we'll have to we'll have to have I'll have to balance with fans and whatnot being able to come back and you know. Hey Dan, you're muted, man. <laughs> my bad uh well quincy we wish you the, the best of luck uh this year uh with uh with a new team in the new york giants uh silk obviously monitors what you're doing on social media and checks it out but where can everybody follow you on instagram twitter all that kind of stuff uh you can get me on instagram at six ix nine five four that's pretty much where i'm at what i'm doing check me out on there all, all right man you. appreciate you coming through and hanging out my dude for sure man appreciate you guys we appreciate it. Right. Go Gators. Good, good luck. Go Gators. Quincy Wilson, another 954 legend to join the uh, the duo that's already here, right, Nick? That's us. That is us. <laughs> that's us. Yeah. That's <laughs> I was going to ask him, uh, whose bedroom Harlem going to get? Here's a Quincy's. I mean, <laughs> here's a Marco's. But it's, It sounds like they might be getting a new house now, you know? Yeah. All right. And, uh, I, I, we'll ask Marco when he comes on. <laughs> start, start holding your breath now so <laughs> i love it well let's get into nfl draft talk but before we do that if you were watching the nfl draft and you thought to yourself man i'd love to get a new mortgage or refinance mine let me tell you there's no better person to reach out to in the state of florida georgia tennessee or virginia than our friend carlton black give him a call he's with cardinal financial home loans conventional loans 
FHA loans, construction loans, jumbo loans, refis, anything that you may need, give him a call at 404-769-5501 or email him at carlton.black at cardinalfinancial.com. Again, 404-769-5501. It was a big week for the Florida Gators. Eight players drafted. Second overall, I guess they tied, or I'm sorry, they were second or third overall with eight players drafted. Uh, Alabama and Ohio State each had 10. Notre Dame and Georgia had nine. This is the most players the Gators have put in the draft since 2017 and currently have the third longest active streak of players drafted in the common draft and the only team to have an SEC or the only team in the SEC to have a player drafted in every draft in the common draft. The Gators have had 12 first-round picks in the last nine drafts and at least a first-round pick in 13 of the last 15 years. Obviously, we're talking about none other than the unicorn himself, Kyle Pitts, who goes number four overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Your thoughts? Uh, that, that's wild. The, uh, the Every draft thing, um, it used to be four schools. Michigan State didn't have anyone drafted this year. Um it's just crazy because it becomes an expectation. And, and then when you talk to someone like when, like when Silk asks Quincy, what's the proud, your proudest moment. He's like, just being drafted. You forget that like the tiny sliver percentage of high school athletes uh, like Dan and I, um, high school athlete, athletic stars like Dan and I, that just, right. you know, go pro in something else, go pro right. in podcasting. Instead. Right. How many stars? Um, like, like one star? Listen, man, I don't know. It depends if you had double vision or not. There might yeah, have been two I stars. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pay rivals to get my ranking. You know? <laughs> uh, but so to me, that's crazy to have someone every year. And then, you know, when you just go through how many guys got drafted and Tony goes 20th and I'm, you know, going into Thursday night, I'm sitting there thinking, and you know, of course, like the draft story's ready, but thinking, oh, well, he's probably a fringe first round. And then Urban Meyer comes out and was like, we were taking him at 25 if he was there. So he was right. heartbroken. Um, and then a guy like Kyle Trask, I can't imagine a better spot um, to go and learn from, you know, Tom Brady, who's probably going to play for another 17 years because it makes no sense that he's still playing. But well, to Nick, go and be able to learn from Tom Brady, that's incredible. Nick, before you spoil all of the draft pick announcements, let's talk about Kyle Pitts a little My bit. Bad. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, we talked about it on the show last week that we thought his ceiling was four and his floor was six. Um, I was a little disappointed as a Dolphins fan that he wasn't available at six, uh, but he does go as the highest drafted tight end of all time. The uh, All of the sportscasters and everybody else could not hype him up more. They called him a surefire Hall of Famer. Do you like the pick in Atlanta, uh, Silk? Yeah, I love it. I mean, you got a veteran quarterback, more weapons around him, not a lot of pressure on him. Uh, that offense is going to be potent. I don't think they keep Julio, but – yeah, I love that fit for him, and and he didn't and he didn't get, go to Miami, so that like you know, <laughs> what's um I, I've been I've been seeing that same thing about Julio. I just don't know why they're they're getting rid of him. Is it just a salary cap thing, like an age salary cap thing? Yeah, both. He's thirty two, and it's like sixty million bucks, right? Shoot, sign me up. Seven, yeah, and I think I think they're relying on like Calvin Ridley to step up and some of the other guys too. So I think that there's like some other reasons to why I think that they're ready to, yeah, just ready to move on. 
I mean, I'm not mad at it for Kyle Pitts. So. I just hope the Bucks don't get him. Right. Bucks is getting everybody, so I don't need like them to put Julio on the market and then he's in Tampa vibing with Tom. That's, By the that's- way, I, I need to read this quote that Tom Brady just said. He said it on NFL Draftathon, which I don't know what that is. He said, "We know that Julian Edelman didn't retire. Let's be honest; he's just too scared to tell Bill he wants to come to Tampa." I've been. Mm. There. Mm. Tom Brady just gets what he wants. Tom Brady's <laughs> getting sassy. That's what he's getting. <laughs> he's getting sassy. That's he's wild. getting real sassy, bro. Yeah. Oh man. Goat talk. That uh, sure is. Um, Kyle Pitts does uh, land as the fifth player from UF ever drafted. And the top five, they're still without a number one overall pick. I think number two uh, was the highest that they've ever had, and that was early, early, early in the common draft. Uh, but uh, but big shout-out to Kyle Pitts. Uh, the next one, Nick already uh, spoiled it here, but Kadarius Toney uh, also goes first round, 20th overall to the New York Giants, joining Quincy Wilson over there. Are you guys surprised as an, just as an outsider that Kadarius Toney went as high as number 20? No. No, because it was kind of like what we talked about last week. It was like, I think his comp for a lot of people, you know, like you mentioned Jalen Waddell and, and Tyreek Hill. I think once NFL teams see what can be done with a certain archetype of player who has a certain set of skills, right. hey, how do we get that? And how do we replicate what Kansas City, the success Kansas City is having with Tyreek Hill? And then all of a sudden you get a player like Kadarius Tony, you turn on the tape and you're like, hey, that's it. Once that, and that's that's why I kept saying if he ran a four three, he was on first round because mm-hmm. once that explosiveness explosiveness matched the the, uh, the tape, it was a wrap. You know what I'm saying? Everything they saw on film matched what he did at the combine, and I was like, yeah, there's no, nobody, there's no way a whole round is gonna go by with somebody without somebody taking a chance on. Him. That's really, I think, what combine because we all as outsiders look at the combine and like, oh, everyone puts too much stock in the forty. But what you're really trying to do is seeing. Okay, well, I see this on tape. I see this on film. Do like reg, do combine numbers match, and do they back up what I right. what my eyes are showing me on film? Right. And a four right. three eight, and you know, a, a good forty backs up what you you're seeing on the field. Right, absolutely. I I know, and I'm spoiling a little bit with Evan McPherson in the in the uh, McPherson in the fifth round. Uh, but the Bengals basically said that they drafted him because of what they saw in his pro day. Obviously they saw a lot before that to attend, but you know, that pro day is the reason why they drafted him in the fifth round and was the only kicker drafted. So now you're exactly right, Nick. Um, with that being, I like the way that sounds, Dan, you, you, you got it. Uh, it will probably be the only time I ever tell you that. I um, mean, you just, you, you just say you spoiled it and then you were right. So you kind of balance things out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you guys, and this is kind of a brief aside. There was a tweet from a former NFL draft uh, or former NFL scout that has a draft website now, and he heard uh, that Kadarius Tony has some uh, personality flaws or some character issues or, or concerns. We all do. Right. So <laughs> let me ask you this. Uh, do you think, and I opine about this on Twitter a little bit today, do you think that teams selectively say that to people to potentially get a player to drop so they can – maybe draft him a little bit later than maybe where other people uh, have yeah. him slotted for some uh, – No, nah, they only said about certain chess. people. They only said about certain people, Dan. Yep. Oh, well, so. yeah, that, that's a, that's <laughs> that a whole other discussion. Yeah. I'm just – that's why I don't think it's a thing because they only said about like people who got caught up in the rap stuff and, and – but, I mean, everybody got character flaws or personality flaws. Nobody's perfect. Urban Meyer might have been spreading that because he apparently wanted Tony at 25. 
Um, right. I 100% think that stuff like that selectively comes out um, when when you want somebody, like especially if you have two picks or if you're trying to trade, you know, if you have an early pick and you're trying to trade back into the first and you want somebody to last to 28, 29, 30, um, that, you know, stuff like that comes out. Misinformation, stuff like that comes out. No, nah, but a lot of times they slide. Like we've seen guys slide when that type of stuff come out, like far, far. Mm-hmm. The only um, thing, the only thing I think, like, I, I, I do, I do agree with you. Teams do throw that out, but I've mm-hmm. seen players like really slide with that. Not like, like Tony didn't go like that didn't work. If they, if that's what they was trying to do. Yeah. The only thing with Tony and like, listen, he was in a he he was in a state. He got probably unconstitutionally pulled over, like doing like 30, 31 miles an hour on campus when it's twenty five. Um, and gets pulled over with the guns in his car, but it's an it's an open oh, I carry. Forgot state. about the gun. It's a, well, it's an open carry state that the guns were legally purchased. So it's like, hey, no, I just you forgot about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, do yeah. you want? New York is not an open an open carry state with not the same kind of gun laws, but he didn't do anything wrong. So you can point and say, hey, I don't want my my first round receiver running around with guns, but it's like he's not breaking any laws. He, he obtained them and was carrying them legally in the state of florida so to me if that's even something you're bringing up now listen the the laws are different in new york new jersey and just make sure you're following the laws with with your firearms but um stuff like that 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 comes up as potential red flags i think is is what when teams are trying when you're spending millions of dollars in the first round you're trying to find a reason hey why should i not spend it on this guy and you look kind of for anything um but if anything for me a, a team like New York that has strict gun laws is probably looking into that more than like, hey, is he going to be going to a music studio to make a new album after practice? Who cares? Right, right. Who cares if he's doing that? Yeah, I forgot yeah. about the gun thing, and, but I don't. I don't he didn't because it, was, cause it wrong. wasn't really like was a thing. Because it was right? illegal. Yeah. Right, right, right. No, I just uh, forgot that it was a thing at all. You know, what I'm saying I just forgot that whole incident happened. Like, whatever. There's a lot yeah, of but like, that I, I mean, stuck in the truck thing. Yeah, like, like as, a, like as a beat writer, I have to read the Tony story, and then the headline's bad. It's like AR-15 in the back seat, and you're like, why are you running around? Like, put it in the trunk or something. And then, but then you, when you read into it and you talk to a lawyer or you talk to a cop, it's like, oh, everything checked out here. Like, why, why, why y'all do that, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> it, ha- it happens in the state of Florida because we have sunshine laws, and you can get police reports and, and stuff like that. Um, which is why you get more reporting on like arrests and stuff like that in Florida um, than in a state like Georgia, where it's really hard to get that information. But in this case, the Sunshine Laws were able to let us say like, yeah, sure, he was pulled over with guns that were his, legally purchased, registered to him, like everything checks out here. Nick, I'm trying to find an article that you wrote on uh, oh. trying just to try to get your yeah, work. Yeah. Uh, I can't, don't, don't do that. Don't I can't. Do that. I can't find it. I can find your story on the airsoft gun issue, but uh, but we'll, we'll we'll find it before the show uh, before the show ends. Uh, Nick, you alluded to it. Also, Kyle Trask is drafted as the last pick of the second round. What is that? Pick sixty eight, I think, or sixty four. Uh, so he's going to go and be the heir apparent uh, behind Tom Brady uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what do you guys think of that pick for him? Uh, I think it's perfect, but I want your guys' opinion on it. Perfect. Yeah. You said it, man. I think it's perfect. He get the vibe. Uh, I would say learn on the Tom Brady, but Tom ain't that type of guy. So he's gonna have to do all the learning on his own. I don't think Tom gonna be teaching him shit. I but, remember reading, I remember reading when Tom was still in New England, like he's not not like a like an ass to to the guys behind him, but like the way that Tom got his opportunity was because of an injury. 
And I think there's something still in the back of his head. Like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to derail the young kid under me's career. He's like, but I'm not going to go like super out of my way. He's like, Hey man, if I want to take all 100 reps of practice today, I'm taking all 100 reps. I don't really care about your development because I'm the one playing Sunday. But I think there's something to being able to just sit there and just even being a fly on the wall and watching the way that he works and prepares, takes care of his body at, you know, how old is he, 42, 43? Still playing at the level that he's playing 42. at, winning, winning, winning championships. Um, and, and what Kyle – has already shown from being a backup in high school and a backup in college is that he is more than prepared to go about his business. Even what knowing he's not going to be the starter that Sunday um, more than prepared to go about his business and, and continue to prepare and learn and get better. Um, and who knows how long Tom will play. So he's got, he's got a couple of years to learn <laughs> under, under the goat. Yeah. And he's only competing against Ryan Griffin. So I like his chances <laughs> at the backup spot. I like the number too. They gave him number two. I yeah. think number 11 wasn't there, but if, if you go from 11 at Florida to 11 at Tampa, you're following a nice career trajectory where uh, we'll be looking at uh, Kyle Trask at Steve Spurrier, Florida Field by the year 2055. Yeah, I like it, man. I, he gets to see. He, he didn't play a lot in high school. He didn't start there. Uh, he sat a lot in college uh, and, and didn't get a whole lot of reps there. So I think the speed of, of, of college in the NFL is a big difference, and he gets to go in and take his time. Um, the Tampa's not depending on him to do anything right now. So he can go in, learn, vibe. I like and it. He, he's joining a loaded roster, too. I think they're returning all 22 of their starters from right. the Super Bowl. He's going to go and, and practice with some of the the best players in, in the NFL. So I'm excited for him. I think that you know Tom Brady, we always say that this is going to probably be his final year, but after what I watched last season, I think the – Old man's got at least two or three left, so he seems like the type of guy that could play until he's like fifty. I think that's just the dolphin fan in us, Dan, hoping more, more so hoping than predicting. Is well, no, can it please be his last year? I announced it on Twitter on uh, on Saturday that or Friday that I am now a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. As my name. you what? I think he's just trying to pick as many teams as possible so he can have some success on Sunday. Number two team. So I have you got a number two team. Yeah. <laughs> you I think mean, just, me? Yeah, I always have to have one when my when my number one fails to deliver. You have a number right. two, and you've always been a fan, and now it's announced on Twitter. So they can't call me a bandwagoner. But having two teams in the same state is is egregious. I agree. I guess I could have a favorite team of a state that I've never been to, but yeah, like <laughs> that makes more sense, bro. Yeah, I couldn't fathom putting on that creamsicle nonsense out there. What do you think about uh, your number two team uh, trying to push out the uh, NFL MVP? So, which which number two team? <laughs> How uh, many teams you got? It depends, got it depends on the day. Your yeah. uh, your Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Oh, oh, A Rod, yeah. A Rod's out. I'm still, I still, I like uh, Green Bay as a franchise, man. They're just solid. They're always solid. So that's a good number two team because they're just always good. They're always good because they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Dan and I are sitting here in this Dan Marino desert, searching yeah. for the next one, and they're like, they just have Aaron Rodgers fall into their lap while they have Brett Favre. No, they run no, Aaron Rodgers off. This is, a, I said it last week. Two types of teams in the NFL, teams with a franchise quarterback and teams looking for one. 
your number two, your number two A B C team is just, about to not be one of those first teams with a franchise quarterback. Nick, Nick, well ran, uh, well ran organizations just always have good quarterbacks, like the Cowboys, you know, like the Giants. Packers mm-hmm. is going to have a good quarterback. They're going to be a good football team. It's just a well ran organization. Miami's not. It's, you know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going on down there. Well, I, I'm for one, I'm excited about a, a Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Waddle. Uh, you can't even say his in. name. I sure can. I just did. Um, we're, 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 we're Tuscaloosa South now. That's yeah, what we are. That's right. We first had their head coach, and now we got their former uh, quarterback and wide receiver. So, and, and no rings. And, and still uh, undefeated season, only team in the NFL. With that being said, Marco Wilson, the <laughs> next player drafted, number 136th overall in the fourth round by the Arizona Cardinals. Were you guys surprised uh, in the fourth round? I know that we mentioned they ate a great pro day, uh, but were you guys surprised the team took a flyer on him in the fourth round? No, nah, I think he ran a 4-3 and jumped what he jumped and did what he did. Uh, I think we all kind of agreed. Like, he did one of the best combines ever, like in the history of combines. Um, so I had kind of had him slotted four fifth round once he did that. And then that's almost like what you what we saw at Pro Day isn't matching what's on the field, so so what's up? And I think he's a better player than, than he showed at times um, during his senior year. I think some people know that there was some um, something wrong at the top with our defense as well. Some miscommunication, some development issues. I think the, the guys in the NFL know if it's a player thing or if it's a scheme coach thing as well. So I think you got the benefit of the doubt with a lot of that. Well, not to spoil, but a little tease. You get two secondary players drafted. Right. Probably tells you why there were two secondary coaches uh, released of their coaching duties after the season. Right. And one that's probably slotted for a first-round draft pick uh, next season. Uh, just reading a little bit about uh, Marco Wilson, the Arizona Cardinals seem to have a lot of deficiency at the cornerback position, and I know that they traded up to get a pick who their personnel called the steal of the draft, according to Cliff Kingsbury. So uh, they obviously view Marco Wilson as an incredible asset to that roster. Next player drafted, the only kicker drafted, and that was Evan McPherson. Drafted 149th overall in the fifth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we know that he had a bit of a, a streaky season this past year, but obviously the Cincinnati Bengals, who uh, I believe released or did not re-sign their kicker going into this season, saw a lot in Evan McPherson from his pro day and made him the only kicker drafted. Nick, what does this mean for your brand that no punters got drafted? It's just, you know um... – it's not a great day for punters, um, but it's you know it's always a, it's always a great day uh, for the movement. It's a small blip for us, a stumbling a stumbling pebble on our on our path to uh, being recognized. You're not a good representation right now. I'll tell you that. No, uh, listen, it's You're it's throwing the towel. I'm not throwing <laughs> in the towel. Punters are people. Kickers are weird. You saw the you saw the the title of the pod last week. Um, but getting back getting back to Evan, I think. All of us, I won't speak for you guys, but all of us, I think, were surprised when he decided to leave right. early. Right. Um, there's only, like, we, like we said, there's only, with, when we said when we had the Townsends on, there's only 32 jobs for, for punters and kickers. And uh, it doesn't take long. Ask like Aguayo, who was the best college kicker ever, get to the NFL. Like they, you use a high pick on them and listen, miss eight kicks and you're gone. Like you're 
find something else to do with the rest of your life. There's not a, a margin for error at kicking and punting in the NFL. So um, I think it, someone must have told Evan some some solid, some good information because obviously if you're the only kicker drafted, then uh, you made the right decision to leave. So props to him. Um, and uh, I guess later down the line, when we're talking about who's going to kick for Florida. We got to figure that out because I wasn't expecting, you know, uh, prior to him uh, deciding to leave early, I wasn't expecting to be – talking much about Florida, the Florida Gators kicker in 2021. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. I had him going undrafted. I thought a lot of kickers around the country kicked better than him this past year. He had a good season. He had an okay season, but for his potential and what we thought he was, I thought he uh, things. I thought he was a little underwhelming. Yeah, it looks like he was drafted higher. I think that we all thought when we did our draft preview last week that we didn't think that he would get drafted, specifically because a lot of kickers and punters don't get drafted. Um, he did set an SEC record for career field goal percentage and a school record for successful kicks over 50 yards. So they obviously uh, saw something in him. Uh, but I was surprised, and I thought that he was probably a guy uh, that could be a – Fifth or, or uh, pardon me, a, a seventh round or undrafted guy. I'm just, I'm just surprised when just kickers is gonna leave early. You know, like that's that's yeah. why I was surprised more than anything. I was like, what did he hear? Because he didn't have a great season and he's leaving early and he's a kicker. It was, it wasn't so much as like he's not good enough to do it. It's just like that's <clears throat> that's an unheard of thing for that position. Right. It's it's also no surprise that uh, Shane Graham was. A- a, uh, an assistant quality control coach, University of Florida, who's probably the most famous of Bengals kickers. And I say that because that's the only kicker I've ever known from the Bengals. <laughs> you w- well researched. That's that's what this pod is. It's a it's a uh, it's you, you can only fact check me if you know more facts than me. So I love I love it, guys. Um, after that, Sean Davis uh, gets drafted one sixty five overall uh, by the Indianapolis Colts, Quincy Wilson's old team. We talked about this on the show that we thought that Sean Davis was going to be drafted, you know, somewhere between the fifth and sixth round. And looks like we nailed that one. Do you guys like that pick? And um, what are your thoughts? I like Sean. I didn't want to get Quincy in hot water, um, but uh, I don't think Quincy text Sean about great places or great things about Indianapolis. Uh, I don't know how much Quincy being from South Florida liked living, uh, shoveling snow up in, up in Indianapolis. Dan, I know you love under, your, mid, under, your Midwestern under, states. Underrated, underrated city, Nick. St. Elmo's. You, you said that about a lot of cities, though. He said that about like he says that about like all the flyover states. He's like, you know what, you know what's what's really <laughs> Poughkeepsie's a really underrated town. He's like, what are you yeah, talking about? Poughkeepsie's not. I, I will not stand for all towns, but I will say, as as somebody that's been fortunate enough and lucky to visit a, a lot of towns, some of these towns, Indianapolis being one of them. Deserves a little bit more credit. Not saying that I'd ever pick up my life and move there, but just letting you know, it's not that bad. It's no, it's no Cleveland. Oh, oh, okay. Speaking of, why was the draft in Cleveland? Of, of anywhere you can go, that was yeah, probably the most exciting thing to happen in Cleveland in five years. <laughs> um, it, it to me, to me, with Sean, I, I, he it, he has the tools. He has the athleticism. It's just like just stay healthy, um, and and you just got to really be in your book and, and know where you have to be. It's like Quincy said, everything gets faster at the next level. Um, and to me, it was just sometimes he just wouldn't be where he needed to be. It's almost like um, all the athleticism, but just wasn't in the right spots at times. And then 
had a little bit of injury issues at, at Florida, but um, you talk about a, a safety that can can change the course of a game. That's that's the kind of player he can be. Yeah, he didn't get to run. I thought I thought he went he went where we said he would go, and he didn't get to run a forty. He, he tweaked he tweaked his, uh, got an injury at the combine. Um, so I'm impressed, man. We had some talented guys back there. I mean, these NFL scouts scouts seen some. I think we, our defense should have been better than what it was in that secondary. But we made some made some uh, much needed changes. But shout out to Sean Davis. It's a shot to lead. Let's see here. Uh, next overall, fifth round still, number 173 overall, uh, Terrell Slayton, TJ Slayton, uh, drafted by the uh, Silks number two A, B, C, or D team, Green Bay Packers. Uh, Silks, since you're a noted Packers fan, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Slayton going to the uh, up to Green Bay? I like Besides it, bringing man. a jacket. I like it, man. Rotational guy. You, you know, he's not gonna play a lot. You know what I'm saying? You play him in spurts. We we depended on Slayton in a different role, but I think he'll play a long time in the NFL as a rotational defense defensive tackle. Um, he's gonna be a solid pro. Phil Gaps. He's a guy that at from the inside can get after the quarterback on on passing downs. A guy that can take on two blockers and create four linebackers. Hate to give Silk the credit, but good run organization gets a steal, a great value, in my opinion, in TJ mm-hmm. Slayton that late in the draft. Yeah, I was reading up on him, too. Um, it seems like, and Silk, obviously you know this, so if you want to break it down more, you can. The Packers historically do a lot of three-man fronts, uh, especially on uh, pa- or, uh, running situations. Um, I know Kenny Clark, who is there, uh, noted uh, one technique, uh, defensive tackle there. Uh, is going to play a lot. He's going to play a lot in passing down. So I know that they're uh, excited about the idea of Slayton being able to come in uh, at that one technique or zero technique uh, to fill in for for Kenny Clark. Silk, um, as a noted Packers fan, any additional thoughts on uh, TJ's uh, involvement in your defense? Welcome to the cheeseheads, baby. You know, <laughs> we'll get us a quarterback. Let A. Rod go be watched somewhere else. I love it. I love it. And finally, the last Gator drafted. Uh, a bit surprisingly, this late, number 208 overall in the sixth round, a stone Forsyth uh, heads out to uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we had talked about him potentially being a, uh, a second-round guy or a third-round guy, but but ends up dropping pretty late. Um, what are y'all's thoughts, and, and why do you think that he did drop so so far? I think he's drafted what his film says. I think I think he was starting to get a little energy and a little buzz when he started. They started seeing his measurables, but I think he's drafted round about what it, what his film was. Yeah, there was hype where I where I'd gotten to the point where uh, I'm no draft you know draft expert, but I had gotten to the point where I'm thinking he might go before Kyle Trask, and then you know rounds and rounds after but i think if like i think i agree with silk where he's probably drafted where his film says he should have been drafted um i know you can't teach six foot eight 308 15 pounds whatever he's at um but probably drafted where he should have been based on four years of film Yeah, I was a bit surprised that he went to the sixth round. I know that his measurables at Pro Day were a bit better uh, than you know his protecting Kyle Trask's blindside there. 
I thought that he, you know, had a big leap up from from the year before, which was a, a gigantic leap up from the year before that. So I was a bit surprised. I thought that the second round uh, would have been high just on the play that we saw. I thought that he could be a, a third, late third round, maybe fourth round guy, uh, but uh, but sixth uh, round overall. But does get to join a really good team uh, with the Seattle Seahawks and a great offensive line coach in Dwayne Brown, I believe is his name. Yeah. There you go. A little research goes a long way, Nick. You're, that's that's why you get paid the big bucks here. That's that's exactly right. Um, outside of the NFL draft, three uh, players that were eligible did sign uh, with new teams. We'll talk about the big elephant in the room here in a second. Uh, Brett Hagee, offensive lineman, announces that he's going to the New York Giants with Quincy Wilson. Uh, former Florida Gators safety Donovan Steiner and his mom Pam are headed up to – Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> and then finally, why do you want all the smoke, bro? Why are you dragging <laughs> us along yeah. with it, too? No, no, no. That was Dan Thompson. That, said that, that, that was not a Stadium and Gale uh, approved announcement. Hey, uh, and the, do you. <laughs> and then finally, via Ohio State University, Trevon Grimes goes undrafted wide receiver. Heads back and joins former offensive coordinator and current quarterback coach Brian Johnson with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I know the your your commentary is going to say you're surprised that he's drafted, but give us your thoughts on why you think he wasn't drafted. So, I think I it's got to be something off the field, man. Um, I think there's something we don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think eventually. I think eventually, you know, Grimes is going to eventually say something, whatever it was. But it's something that we he should have been drafted. Like his film, his his size. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking I, at I guys get... getting drafted still to have like 14 catches for 150 yards last year. Yeah, I I, I want to get into what he say, she say, or, or you know, some in, in in your windows, man. But when when a guy that talented doesn't get drafted he like somebody was somebody bad mouthed him in my opinion it, it i don't think it's for i mean you look at the measurables and we talked about it last week about how he started finally playing like like a six foot four six foot five receiver um and, and then they talked about the speed him catching tony um uh, in that Miami game, when Tony broke away, <laughs> broke away, he just ran down Kadarius Tony. Um, right. So yeah, to me, it's it's kind of what you said. It's like something happened behind the scenes because it, so right. it wasn't it wasn't a it, it wasn't a talent thing. It wasn't a potential what we think he can do on the field kind of thing. Um, and then and then shout out to Brian Johnson because I'm sure once you get to that point, Brian Johnson's sitting there and saying, "Hey, go get this guy." Like I've I've been around him for for three years. Go get this guy. Yeah, uh, and at that point in time, it's probably better to be able to call where you want to go into an offense that you're going to be a little, at least a little bit familiar 100%. with, than to get drafted in you know the late sixth round or seventh round. But like you said, Nick, I was a bit surprised that there were some guys that were drafted ahead of him. Some folks with with a lack of production. You know, Tutu Atwell sits at what about four foot four um, in terms of size. So. I was surprised because I thought he had the speed and the size that the NFL was looking for. You know, but this happens every year where, where a player goes missed or goes undrafted and, you know, they still have an opportunity just like everybody else to, to earn a roster spot and, you know, heading up to Philadelphia where, you know, 
he he gets to reunite with his former offensive coordinator into an offense that's trying to revive itself a bit. You know, there's certainly an opportunity for Traylon Grimes. He has the skill. Now it's a matter of putting it all together, I think. And me saying me saying that's somebody bad mouth him. They don't have to be UF coaches. He was at two schools. So mm-hmm. and, and these these NFL teams are gonna are gonna interview everybody and question them about Trayvon Grimes. So I in my opinion, somebody somewhere um had to Throw him under the bus because there's no way he shouldn't have been drafted. Okay. Yeah, the, guy, the guy that recruited him didn't even draft him. No, I didn't see that one happening. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna interview the janitor at your middle school to be like, hey, you remember this kid when he was in sixth grade? Like they're they they're gonna find somebody, and I, I think something might have happened there. But did like, they vet, did they vet you out, Nick, as a former St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas uh, student? He would have fl- fluffed it. Uh, yeah, oh, no, he would pause. He um he would have been um he would have been drafted if they if they would have asked me. Um, but to me, it's like you said, Dan. Once you get down to that point, and and more credit, the guy I'm going to use, you know, isn't going to be great for my argument. But like when Tyree was drafted in the seventh round last year, um, to me it was kind of like that's a terrible spot. You just got drafted in the seventh round. And they used a pick on Jerry Judy. They used, I think, their second or third pick in the draft on a receiver. Like, that's not a great spot to be. They just used two high picks on receivers. And I think it's better at some point to be able to pick your spot, pick your offense, look at the depth chart, um, and see. Because if you're an undrafted free agent, if you're a late-round pick, you've got to do the extra stuff to make that 53. And credit to Tyree, he did that um, and, and made the roster out there in Denver. Um, but I think when I was looking at it by, you know, by the sixth round, I'm thinking Grimes probably would be better suited to just go undrafted at this point and, and be able to pick your spot. Yeah, no doubt. But I think he's been playing in the NFL a long time. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's got the the body and the the, the speed for it. So, uh, you know, they're they're changing up their, uh, their roster this year, which uh, Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, are changing up their offense. Uh, so there's definitely an opportunity for him. And, you know, he's used to, you know, obviously not this past season, but seasons before playing with more mobile quarterbacks and, you know, up there at Ohio State too. So uh, best of luck to every player that was drafted, those that were undrafted that signed and those that were undrafted and unsigned. Best of luck. Uh, a couple of other housekeeping notes. Jordan Smith, who was a part of the University of Florida program, uh, but uh, left during the credit card scandal. Ended up over at UAB. He was drafted in the fourth round by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Chris Rumpf, uh, the second, the son of former uh, tight end co- or, uh, defensive line coach Chris Rumpf, uh, was drafted number 118 overall by the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, getting into it just briefly, we're still a year away, but of course the day the draft ended was the day that we saw our first two uh, mock NFL drafts for 2022. Uh, read both of them. Uh, in both of them, they both share Kai Air Elam going uh, somewhere in the top 15. I know Trevor Sikkim, a friend of the show, had him going number 12 overall. And I don't remember the other uh, gentleman, but had him going 13th or 14th overall. Ventrell Miller was also listed as a potential first rounder. And Brenton Cox were also listed what? Uh, as a potential first round picks. Ventrell as a first round linebacker? I was surprised in both of them. And who wrote that? I got to call the police. Uh, I will find it for you quickly. Yeah, fine, yeah. I'm going to press charges. <laughs> call the police. <laughs> I'm going to call the cops on it. 
<laughs> I love Ventrell, man, but hey, come on. He's not a first round linebacker. That's that's egregious. I mean, uh, there's, not many, there's not many. Brad from Yahoo Sports. Oh, shout out to Yahoo. That's the uh, the parent company. Great, great article, Brad. Yeah, I won't slam him. <laughs> great, great article, Brad. <laughs> I won't call the cops. My bad. <laughs> that, um, it's You're not, not going to call the cops, but you might call one of those tip lines, right? Yeah, yeah. Silk's on the anonymous tip line. Silk Karen over here. Excuse me, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Silk, why don't you take us to a, uh, a brunt ad read? we got some Gator news of the week. Shout out to the great folks at Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys, give my man Greg a call or visit his website, bruninsurance.com. If you need home, auto, renter's insurance, life insurance, uh, any financial services, hit my man Greg up. 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policies. My favorite part of the show, Dan gets to get in his bag of Gator News. Oh, we're, we'll, we'll be in our bag this week, but there's going to be an assist by Nick Delatore because there was a Florida Gators baseball series this past weekend against the number two Vanderbilt Commodores. The Gators take two of three. Uh, Florida infielder Josh Rivero was named the SEC co-newcomer of the week. He batted 455, uh, went five for 11 in the series. Nick, help us break down the Vanderbilt uh, victories. Yeah, it was a, a huge weekend for for Florida. Um, coming into the year, they were picked. Florida was picked to to win the SEC East. Uh, I mean, obviously, the expectations of being the number one team in the country um, have been up and down. Just inconsistent is probably the best way to explain what they've been this year. Um, and Vanderbilt in their Friday night guy Kumar Rocker and Saturday night guy Jack Leiter, um, two of the best pitchers in the country. So you're coming in. And uh, you're thinking Florida has to win two um, to stay competitive in the SEC. Hmm. And they do just that. I mean, they Kumar Rocker gets the win on Friday, um, but Florida chased him in the fifth inning. And, and when you've got a Friday night guy in the SEC, you kind of expect them to be able to go at least six innings, seven innings, sometimes get you into the eighth. And, and then that sets your bullpen up. So Florida chasing Kumar on Friday uh, early kind of changed the the way the rest of the weekend plays out because now Vanderbilt has to use their closer in the middle innings and he throws 20 something 30 pitches and now he's not available for the next day and it just changed the, the way Florida didn't give up on Friday even when they were down seven nothing um, kind of changed the complexion of the rest of the weekend and then you go out and and you really Jack Leiter's probably taken over the 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 one one slot he's probably gonna be the first pitcher first player drafted in the draft and Florida goes out and just shells him uh Judd Fabian hits two home runs off him Kirby McMullen hits another one and, and they chase Jack after four give him his second loss and then you come back Sunday um huge opportunity to get a weekend win uh, a weekend series win and Hunter Barco the COVID freshman um he has a really good start and then you get Jack Leiter uh, sorry, Jack Leiter. Jack Leftwich comes in. He throws a scoreless two and two thirds. So from top to bottom, I think this weekend was what we expected from Florida. Tommy Mace had a really gritty, um, gutty performance on Saturday. He's supposed to be the guy that gets you, you know, those six strong innings, seven strong innings. And uh, you got that from him. Um, you got eight strong innings from him on Saturday. So 
this is kind of what we expected. And I think Kevin O'Sullivan said it after. He's like, we've been waiting for a weekend like this um, all year for the team to come out and, and really just show passion. I mean, Vanderbilt fans were in my mentions. They were mad that Florida was celebrating, um, yelling some choice words across the field to Vandy after the series was wrapped up. But um, for me, I, I needed to see that kind of passion. I think, I think Florida kind of, like Quincy said, you know, drank their own Kool-Aid to begin the year and they kind of walk out on the field and, and just expect like, yeah, we're Florida, we're going to win. I think this weekend you kind of saw that competitive fire come back and maybe it took playing a rival and playing the number two team in the country to bring that out. But, you know, you sit here now and you think, okay, well, three more SEC series, then the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, maybe this is something you can build on and, and, and move forward with. The next two series they should be able to win um, at Kentucky and Georgia at home. And then uh, you got to head to Fayetteville to play the number one team in the country in Arkansas to finish the year. Interesting. Uh, Florida plays Stetson, I believe, this week in a midweek matchup. Stetson Tuesday, yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll look out, and it seems like the Gators are on a a high streak right now. They've won, what, at 12 of their last 14 or so? Uh, I think it's nine of the last 11 and 12 of the last 13 or 16, 12 of the last 16. Okay. Hey, very steady improvement. Uh, Florida Gators softball takes two of three uh, against number 15, Missouri. UF has now won all seven of its SEC series this season. In men's tennis, Brian Schultz was named the 2021 SEC Coach of the Year, guiding the Gators to a 12-0 record in SEC play and 20-2 record overall this season. In women's tennis, they announced their yearly postseason awards. McCartney Kessler uh, was an all-SEC first team. Idea Jarlskog, sorry, I messed that up, I apologize. And Marley Zine were on the second team, and Sarah Dahlstrom earned all freshman teams. So shout out to them. That's all we have for, for Gator. Um, baseball is going to be playing Stetson on Tuesday, as Nick already mentioned. On Thursday, baseball will play Kentucky. Lacrosse will play against Cincinnati. And then on Friday, women's tennis will take on Siena. Men's tennis will play in a to-be-determined matchup. Softball is going to be playing against Texas. And then finally on Saturday, men's tennis will be playing again if they win. If women's lacrosse wins, they'll play in the AAC championship. Baseball play Kentucky and softball will play against Texas A&M. On Thursday, former Florida Gator quarterback and Stadium and Gale alum, Heisman Trophy winner Danny Werfel this past Thursday received the 2021 Wooden Citizenship Cup Award at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. He was presented the award uh, by his former coach, Steve Spurrier. Dan Mullen will be honored at the 16th annual Dick Vitale Gala, which is going to be held at the Ritz-Carlton down here in Sarasota, Florida. The mission of the Dick Vitale Gala is to raise funds for premier pediatric cancer research. And Dan Mullen is going to be uh, awarded for his work uh, helping to raise money for children and families. In football news, Jacob Finn, former Florida Gators punter, 
has announced that he's going to be going to the University of Virginia to be joining their team. Nick, your thoughts? Uh, great spot for my guy, uh, Jacob Finn. That's a great education up there at the University of Virginia. Wish him nothing but the best. He's such a politician. That's not a bad place to get a master's degree, though, for great, free. Great, great place know. to get a free master's degree. For sure. I'm jealous. Uh, and then in transfer news, uh, former Ohio State wide receiver Jamison Williams uh, is being targeted by a bunch of schools, but he has narrowed his focus to Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas a and Michigan State, USC, Michigan, and the University of Florida. I think it'd be a great add to that receiver room, but if they don't get him, he would simply be a luxury. Cool. I think that takes us to the end of our show, a Manscaped ad read, Silk. Nick, any more commentary? Shout out to Manscaped.com. Shout out to Manscaped. Always. Yo, I was um, manscaping the landscape the other day, and uh, I ran into quite a dilemma. Uh, so I'm using my 3.0 trimmer, and uh, I was putting on some shorts. You know what I'm saying? Skies out, thighs out. Those are the rules. I was putting on some shorts, and I was I was contemplating: should I hit the legs? Are you you guys shaving legs these days? What's your vibes? No, no, sir. I'll shave the chest though. Okay. No, shaved. Um, I think it was shaved the. I shaved my forearms. Done that since high school. Okay. Um, tried to shave that's the a legs. Baseball player thing. All that's the baseball. Ba- players. Yeah, that's a baseball yeah. thing. Um, Why got, is that a baseball? Fan? I got a well, weird forearm fetish. Well, it started. It started <laughs> with um, I had an injury, uh, dove, oh. and the glove got stuck. And uh, as much as we love sports at St. Thomas Aquinas, um, they don't they don't love the baseball team the way they love the football team. So the trainer wraps my wrist before the next game, and there was no pre wrap. So so when I take off. The tape, it takes off a, a solid amount of hair from my forearm. I'm looking down, I've got a good three inches of hairless forearm. I'm thinking, all right, well, let's just do the rest of this. So did the rest of it. And that's, I mean, that's a, we're going on a long time now that I've been shaving my forearms. You shave. just like it. You got to do it. You just, at this point, look how old you At this you point, are, I like man. it. At yeah, this point, like I like it. it. It's me. It's, it's me. Um, it. Shaved the legs one time in high school and regretted it like halfway through the first calf. But, but same deal. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to have one quarter of one calf hairless. So uh, shave so the legs one time, and that was it. I don't want to shave my calves, right? Because I don't like the look of shaved calves either. But I need to trim the thighs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to at least put, like, a fade. I got to put a one guard on it at least. <laughs> yeah. Manscaped got the one guards. So shout out to yeah. Manscaped. They, they got the guards and all, man. So you can, like, c- cut your nice little fade. The little high, <laughs> a little high top, you know, fade just, on, on Silk's thighs leading up to his knee. I'm just, just imagining I'm just imagining Silk putting, like, a, like a design into, into his quad. He's, yeah, he's, getting, like, he's getting in his barber bag, and he's putting he's putting in yeah. a Manscaped logo to yeah, exactly. take the sponsorship to the next level. He's got the yeah. three lines on the side. Just make sure you keep the rat tail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's insane. All right, oh, that was inappropriate. Uh, shout out to manscaped.com. Be sure to use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. 
Uh, we got more packages on the way. I'm, I'm excited to get that lawnmower 4.0 on the horizon. Yeah, so some, some new product potentially coming out here soon. Look out for social media at manscaped.com. Take a look at Stadium and Gale's social media in a couple days as well. Some exciting stuff going on uh, there. Well, boys, I'll leave you with this, Silk. I think it's your song of the week. Oh, nice. um, a bit of philosophy came to me uh, during our show, oh, and that's okay. make sure make sure when you're looking out for the love of your life and you're trying to settle down or find the people in your life that are important to you, just find somebody that loves you as much as the New York Giants social media team loves Kadarius Tony. Mm. I'm gonna tell you something. I didn't get to get this take off, man. Kadarius Tony in New York City, that kid's about to be a rock star. You hear me? Like that city's perfect for everything he got going on, man. So um blessings to KT. What do I want to play? I gotta play something wholesome. Wholesome? Yeah, you don't think I got wholesome music? I don't know. I wasn't putting I wasn't putting you in a corner. I was caught me off guard. I was ready for, I was ready for some I was ready for some young joker. I don't know. I would say Kirk Franklin. Mm. I think I ain't Kirk Franklin in my archive. <laughs> All right, let's go. This is going to be left field. Let's go Mario. Mars. Some R&B. Let's ride. Same corner, same time. See you guys next week. Be careful if you love me. I came in to make you see that there's levels. Are you ready? I'm so ancient. There's more to me. With you by my side, we can cause some disruption. All up in the sky, we go high like it's nothing. Sure to cause interruption while I'm going deep in. Now that you're open to explore, baby, I got you. Ooh. Let's take this trip, we don't need no rush. On the way to Mars, on the way to Mars. I'll give you what it's gonna take your breath away. On the way to Mars, I know you really wanna leave the way you holding me. All we need is love, we don't need gravity. Let's take this trip, we don't need no rush. On the way to Mars, you don't need them when you come. You don't need them when you come. Just hop on my rocket, sir. Don't tell me down, rotate that axis. Girl, you could drop it on like a comet, do some damage With you by my side, we can cause some disruption All up in the sky, we go high like it's nothing Sure to cause interruption, while I'm going deep in Now that you're open to explore, baby, I got you Ooh, let's take this trip, we don't need no rush On our way, on our way to Mars, on our way to Mars I know you really wanna leave the way you're holding me. All 
want you to go.